was like, well, I hope you feel great. So obviously he felt pretty great of that today. I uh, also want to thank DJ. DJ kicked this off, this whole weekend off on Good Friday. Um, it's funny, I think I opened up with Star Wars on a Christmas sermon, and to have a Good Friday with Star Wars, you know that's in my wheelhouse right there. Um, but like, like Isaac said, it's great seeing some of you. You know, outside of a Zoom video call, or some of you are just the box that only show your face in Zoom, right? So I can see some of your faces and uh, see you face to face. I can't wait to see some of the kids come back in. Um, some of them will probably be like in elementary school when they first left here. Now they'll be in my class. I'm like, wait, what happened? So, um, but it is great. Um, and in the past year, I have spent a lot of time at home wasting time. How many of you have done that? Right? Trying to find some ways to entertain yourself. And one of my favorites, I've always have been a sucker for magic or prank videos. You show me a good prank video, I am probably there from the beginning. And usually they'll do something, I don't know why it's always dads, but dads are always the ones that get the brunt end of the stick, okay? Maybe because it's funny to do something to dad, okay? But some of them are like, hey dad, come here. If you can get this $20 underneath this water bottle, we'll give you the $20. And the dad's like, when are my, my kids ever gonna give me $20? So they naturally are into it. So they come, and the first thing they do is always they look up on, underneath it, see how they can get it. And of course the kid comes and squ squeezes the water bottle right in their face. And it's funny, it, it's funny, it never gets old. And um, hopefully I didn't give my nieces too many ideas just now. Um, but then, like, you see the shock in dad, like, dang, I knew it was too good to be true. Then our kids are never going to give me $20, and they end up laughing or come to the realization that their kids really do love making fun of them. Um, but life is sometimes full of empty promises like that. I mean, marketing campaigns are built around, if you buy this, you will look better, you'll be sexier, you'll be wealthier, and your life will be much easier. Government officials, if you support this bill or elect me as a representative, everyone will be healthy and wealthy. And it doesn't take too long for us to realize that those are simply just empty promises. Some people may wonder in the past year if that's the same as if that is true with God. If we just celebrate Easter, not knowing that the promises on the hurt and pain in this world is full of empty promises. The interesting is our God is a God of promises. This Bible has over 7,000 promises that God gives to his people. But many people living in this broken world can't re recognize that because they've been beaten down. All the world has told them that the world is full of empty promises, so how can God come with promises that they can't see in their lives directly themselves? And on the first Sunday, I'm sure the disciples felt that way too. Just a couple days ago, the man they put their entire faith in was sentenced to death, was whipped, beaten, and a trial in front of his peers, 
they said, hey, we'll take the murderer, sentence him. One of the things that I love, you guys know me, I just mentioned Star Wars, but I love watching movies. And the other night, uh, it was the first night without basketball on in a while. So I was like, I need some time to kill. And I'm scrolling through HBO Max. And two movies that will stick for me forever was on that scroll list. One was The Green Mile. And another one's a recent movie, Just Mercy. Green Mile, you can't go wrong with the Tom Hanks movie, right? But you learn during that movie, I'm not spoiling anything, the movie's 20 years old, so if you ain't watched it, you probably never will watch it. Um, but you learn that there's a guy that's on death row who's there unjustly, unfairly, and he has certain talents and gifts, and the, the guards, Tom Hanks, one of the guards, they come to really like this guy, but they understand that they have to do their job. Just Mercy is another one of those things where these guys are on death row, and one of the characters comes up to Jamie Foxx and is like, you know, I did what I did, but I still don't want to die. And one of the haunting scenes, he says, you know, none of my family is going to be here. No one's going to be there to support me. And, all the, and Jamie Foxx, who was in the, in the jail with him, says, don't worry, you'll hear us. And on his execution, you hear the banging of all the, uh, the prisoners on the jail cells, and it's one of the most daunting, like I'm, I was in the theater just crying, right? It's one of the most daunting scenes there is. And I think those two movies stick out to me because there's something in us that wants to see justice played out fairly. This is why most of you have tuned into the George Floyd trials this week, right? We want there's something in us that understands that an innocent man dying unjustly is something that's not fair. And here, the disciples just saw that play out. And so, this morning, we're going to talk over three promises marked by something empty that happened on that Sunday morning, on the first Easter is the very fact that each of these is empty assures us that God's promises are not. But I just mentioned those movies, Green Mile, Just Mercy, and all of those stick in my mind, they always will. But there is nothing that sticks in my mind more than any time you see the crucifixion played out on TV or in a movie screen. That is a gut punch that is unbelievable. It leaves a mark on you. I don't care if you're not a believer, you never set foot in a church. It's going to have an effect on you. Those whippings, the crown being placed on his head, him got to drag it all the way up that mountain, needs help. It is a devastating 30, 40 minutes on every movie. And man, that's the best that the median can provide. And 2,000 plus years later, we're still sitting here discussing it. But think about that. You wake up on a Sunday morning, the scraps of what the devastation is still around the area. I think about, uh, Sister Heather reminded me this morning about the knocking that I did a couple years ago. 
but the, but the red blood-stained nails are probably still laying on the ground. Right? Right next to the dew of the morning. And it was those same nails that, that held my sin to the cross. See, many people say, well, the people, and they blame the people that were there at the moment of the ride Jesus was led to the cross. But actually, in actuality, it was sin that led Jesus to the cross. My lies, my jealousy, my anger, my betrayal. We can blame Judas, but how many times have I betrayed him? We all have a list of those sins. What sins make your list? Is it anger, maybe addiction, pride, prejudice, lying tongue, selfishness, sexual promiscuity? My sins may be different from yours, but each of us have that list. And every time we hear that knocking, the Holy Spirit has a great job reminding me of my list. And we know if we read the Bible that every sin comes with a price tag. A lifetime of sin is enough to rack up some major debt. You yell at your kids, cha-ching. You covet your, your friend's new car, cha-ching. You lose control, cha-ching. You drive home when you're intoxicated, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Right? Um, further and further in debt we go. And initially, we might try to repay our debt that we owe. You know, I was very fortunate to have a job during this whole lockdown situation, and all those stimulus checks were just bonuses. So I, I redid my basement, and uh, the last stimulus check came in, and I paid off Nebraska Furniture Mart. And that was a great feeling, right? <laughs> Pay the debt off in full. Let's go, right? But. In a year or two, there'll be something else I need at Nebraska Furniture Mart, and I'll just put it on the 38-month no, no interest financing, and I'll be back in debt again. Um, Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. Simply put, the cost of your sins is more than you can pay, however. There is no stimulus check that Joe Biden can give us that pays for that. But the grace of God is more than you can imagine. Let's see what Paul writes in Colossians 2, verse 13. He says, And when your flesh was still uncircumcised, dead in transgression and swathed in safe and sinful nature, it was God who brought us to life with him, forgave us all our sins, and eliminated the massive debt we incurred by the law that stood against us. He took it away. He nailed it to the cross. See, there's a reason why this cross up here is empty. Now, don't get me wrong. I, 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 don't, I don't have feelings about those people that have Jesus on the cross in their house and so forth. But he was there for six hours. There's a reason why that's not the lasting symbol of Christianity. The reason why is because the empty cross promises forgiveness. And after those six hours, Jesus whispered, it is finished. The Greek word translated for it is finished is telestai, which 
is a Greek word that means paid in full. It's an accounting term. It says, he wiped all the debt racked up by your sins and mine. He took it out, off the ledger. Went from red to black, real quick. He paid the debt that we can never pay. The empty cross promises the forgiveness of our sins. And I thank God that he had to come down off of that. And on the death scene, there's two Pharisees, Joseph and Nicodemus, came up to Pilate and said, Hey, Pilate, we're going to take the body. They get permission from Pilate. These two guys go up with a note in hand saying, Hey, we'll receive Jesus' body. And they take Jesus to the place um, where he's going to be buried. And in John 19, uh, John writes, Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. They're Jewish uh, leaders. Jesus was Jewish himself. They're going to do the follow the Jewish traditions, and so they take the cross and they do the, the wrapping and so forth. But imagine John sitting there, Taking this all in. The one disciple that didn't leave, he was there at the foot. He was the one that Jesus looked and said, hey, take care of my mother. John, seeing these two Pharisees coming, probably thought that they're the ones that portrayed Jesus himself. And with the arrival of those burial clothes, represented the departure of hope. It's interesting about funerals. You know, we understand those five stages of grief. And some people don't come to terms of that person being dead until they see the body. Until they see it for themselves. They see them in that casket. And oftentimes we'll see those people that have been denying it all of a sudden break down at the first time they get to see the body. Because that's a departure of hope, leaving. Those linens were a tangible reminder to John that his faith and future was wrapped in cloth and sealed behind a rock. Everything he'd been working for the past three years, gone. He thought the Savior was going to do all this, free him. Free them from Roman control. I don't know what he thought, but he thought it was going to be much better than what he was living. But see, John didn't know on Friday what we know now. In fact, John would later confess in John 20, verse 9, that still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. He wrote that himself. He said, at the time, I didn't understand. So you can imagine that with all this doubt swirling about, Jesus' death dealt a crushing blow to John's faith. Maybe you can relate to that. To that. Tragedies have a certain way of doing that. And sometimes can destroy our faith. You lose that job. 
that friend passes away at too young of an age. You got outbid on that house you were wanting so badly, especially in this housing market. Or maybe God just didn't show up when you expected him to. That could be devastating. When life gets hard, our hopes are shattered, or hopes are shattered, our faith can suffer a devastating blow. We begin to wonder why God let bad things happen, or if God's even really there. Or does he even care? What we learn from John, however, if we just hang in there just a little bit longer, that Sunday does come. See, Friday, his hope was gone. Saturday, we'd have no record of what John did. But I guarantee you, he was wondering, questioning everything that had come up to this point. But when Sunday came, John was still present. He could have gone home. He could have packed up and said, hey guys, it's been good, deuces. But see, he would have messed out on Sunday morning with Mary bursting through the door, delivering the news that Jesus' body is missing. Mary was urgent, both her announcement and her opinion. She don't know where it's at. She just knows it's missing. And John's there, and Peter's there, and they take off. 400-meter sprint, right? Pushing kids out the way and stuff. Um, I don't know what they were thinking on the way to the tomb. Maybe someone had, Jesus' enemies had taken the body and done something with it. A sign of total disrespect. Maybe the Roman government did something. Because they had the Roman soldiers there guarding the tomb. Maybe they got jealous and they did something with it. see, John outruns Peter and arrives first. And what he saw stunned him. And for a while, I always thought, what did he see? Because he didn't go in initially. He just froze in place. John writes in 20, beginning at verse 5, he says, He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. I can imagine his mind beginning to race. Think about it. For someone to come and take the body of Jesus... They would have to overtake the most trained soldiers in that world at that time. My brother-in-law is in the army. He trains in the hopes of having, and he trains to kill people. Guess what I don't do with my brother-in-law? I do not play fight with him. I'm not going to do that. The only punch I've ever thrown is at a punching bag, and guess what? It doesn't throw back with intent to kill. Okay, so I'm not going to do that. So for a bunch of fishermen or lawmen or whatever, tax collectors, to overtake and overthrow Roman soldiers is probably not very likely. 
And even if they do, and somehow manage to roll the stone away, they're probably not going to take the time to unwrap the body that's still bloodied and has the scars to do something with the body. Because guess what? One of the soldiers might wake back up, or backup may be coming. So naturally, you would think, if I'm sitting there going to do something bad with Jesus' body, I'll just take the already wrapped, easy-to-transport body and just go. But John saw the strips of linen laying there. Who would do that? John 28 says, He saw and believed. That was all the evidence he, he needed. Because he knew there was only one solution. No one's going to take the body that's already wrapped and preserved to transport it and take the time to unwrap it. It had to be wrapped, unwrapped by the person inside of it. See, God took the burial clothing, those empty linen, a tangible reminder of Jesus' death, and made it into a symbol of hope, a birthplace of John's faith. From that moment, John was never the same. The pile of empty clothes restored John's faith. God wants to do the same for you. The next time your faith is shaken, when your doubts or fears are well up inside, remember the empty clothes. That dirty laundry behind your bed that you know you need to do something with, maybe that's a reminder of all you need. Don't leave God, because John could have left him, but linger near him. You still have your doubts? Okay, keep showing up the Bible study. You have your doubts? Okay, keep showing up to church, tuning in onto the live stream. Because you might just be one day away from your miracle. After Peter and John discover the empty tomb, they see the linen, they leave. They return back to town. But Mary and some of the Jesus' female followers lingered at the empty tomb. Suddenly, angels appeared to them and announced in Matthew 28. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lie. The tomb of Jesus remained empty as a symbol of life that outlasts the grave. Life everlasting. In other words, the empty cave promises forever. Forever. It's something our minds are hard. It's hard to grasp forever. I had a statistician. They broke down why the human mind is so bad at very large numbers. And he gave this great example. Of, he says, he asked this person in an interview, he says, how, how much time do you think is a million seconds? 
How much? Y'all take a guess. Take anyone, throw it out a guess. A million seconds. How much? It's like 12 and a half days. Now, how much is a billion seconds? It's like 32 and a half years. Right? We have a hard time grasping really large numbers. And we have a really hard time grasping forever. But Jesus promises it over and over again. He told Nicodemus, the one that we just met a minute ago, he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He assured the woman at the well, Those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. He announced it to the crowds, for it is my Father's will that all who see His Son and believe in Him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. Most people hope for a long, happy life. We hope we have a long, happy life. But Jesus offers so much more. Eternity. Forever. Because of his eternal life, we have an unshakable hope and a bubble of delight. We are heading to forever. That's why Easter is so important. The most tragic day in Christian history becomes, a couple days later, the celebration that we still celebrate and gives us hope because we have a hope for eternal life for the rest of our days. Romans Six chapter 8, Paul writes, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. The empty cross, no, I'm sorry. The empty cross promises forgiveness of our sins. The empty clothes promise to have faith for those who stay close during our dark days. The empty K promises forever to those who put faith in the one who conquered death. Our God is a God full of promises, He always keeps them. The very fact that the cross, the clothes, and the cave were found empty assures us that God's promises are not. But I know some of you may be feeling empty yourself. You may be in this building or you may be watching today and you're feeling that emptiness. You're still not doubting. You're looking at like John, doubting and questioning your entire life up to this point. I saw a Mark Twain quote that said, there's two important days. The day you're born and the day you find out why. Today could be that day for you where you found out your why. Today, if you put your hope in the things that are empty, could give you that hope, understanding, 
in life forever. If you don't know how, we're not going to do it, open it today. But you can just give me a call, give me a text, slide in my DM, um, give Pastor a call, give Gwen a call, and we'll be sure to help you find that. Um, find your promises. I'm going to bring Pastor up. And, you know, Easter is a very important day for Pastor. And that's why I was shocked when the first time he asked me to do an Easter sermon, because I understand how important of a day it is for him. Because in 1974, he was baptized on Easter Sunday. He understood his why on that day. Mm -hmm. On 75, he was ordained. Yeah. He's living that why. Yeah. In 76, he put that faith into action and started Christ Temple North on yeah. Easter Sunday. Yeah. So because my name's not on the building, I'm going to give him the floor. Yeah. And... Uh, He'll close us out. When we, when we look at uh, uh, the hard work that some of the men do in here to keep this building going and the, the yard going, women and men, to do all of these things in here, and then you get a young man like Trevor, gets up and be able to feed us all something very spiritual. And then we get someone like DJ on Friday to challenge us. You see, that makes me proud. That makes me proud. <laughs> see, coaching is not about how good you coach. Coaches is, is about how good your athletes turn out. And uh, that will determine how good a coach you are. And you all really enjoyed uh, DJ? You really enjoyed Trevor? That's how good a coach I am. <laughs> Here we go. First lady looks beautiful. You want to stand up and say hello to the folks? You got to look at the camera. Yeah. Yeah. The two greatest things you'll ever do in your life is to take Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And the next thing is picking your spouse. Yeah, she done, she done a great job. Ah, <laughs> uh, see, I threw you all off. <laughs> Here we go. Father God, we thank you for so much you've done for us. And as I look over this congregation and I see these people that, that have came a long way in their life, not only in their ministry, in their personal life, it lets us know that every promise you've given can be obtained. And Brother Trevor told us something very special today, that you, there's two things you can't do is fail and lie. So we're going to live on your promises. Every promise you gave, we're going to live. I think he said it was like 7,000 of them. We, 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 we're going to live on those promises. As long as we, we know that you will back your promises up. 
So we thank you for all the blessings that you've given Christ Temple North, its members, its friends, and we just ask you to keep on challenging us and giving us the tools to complete the challenges you've given us. We love you, we love each other, and we're just so grateful for a resurrected Christ to give us a resurrected life. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.